<laughs> Dang, you got midget film guys over there talking <laughs> on your pant legs. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. I am a lone wolf. Oh, woo! Do, 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 do for... Yeah. Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas, Kansas City. What does it mean to be the wolf? What does it mean to be the wolf? We're about to find out. We're going to find out tonight. It's October 20th, 2020. Another Tuesday. In the bowl with you guys. I'm Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. And I'm Dame DeLorean. And we're coming at you. Episode 45. 45. 45 has arrived. Can you believe it? Yes. It's believable. It's only a matter of time, really, if you think about it. Numbers going up, going up, going up, until they're there. They're 45. And you're just going to pass it in a blur on your way up past that, even. Really. Really, really. So how's life? How we doing? Oh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty busy. Whirlwind of uh, activity and excitement. Yes. Different things going on, going down. All starting with um, our three-year-old almost getting her asthma diagnosis uh, yeah. last week. Oh, boy. So much fun. Yep. Kid wakes up wheezing. It's so bad. Just such bad wheezing. Call the doctor, make an appointment. And this is the first time we've been to the pediatrician post-COVID. So, of course, they're like... You're going to get here and you need to call us and let us know that you're here. Please only arrive five minutes early. Mm-hmm. Then we will tell you what room to go in and you will go straight into the room. Everyone over the age of two needs to wear a face mask. Yeah. And we're like, I'm not putting a face mask on my kid that can't breathe. <laughs> I mean, she's coming in there for a wheezing asthma attack. It's like, uh, she's only three, like two and up. That's just absurd. Yeah. I mean, even the CDC says kids under five shouldn't have to wear face masks. But regardless, we went in there. She didn't wear a face mask. We pulled our bandana stunt because bandanas are very convenient. Use them as a scarf and pull them up when you have to and pull them down whenever. And um, yeah, she uh, I guess you have to have three instances before you get the asthma diagnosis. Asthma is a chronic condition, so if your symptoms present themselves chronically, then you can be diagnosed with it. But Since this was her first time, um, you know, they didn't say, oh, yeah, she has asthma. But asthma runs in the Pearson lineage, so <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. It has been a family tradition. And um, luckily, we left with an inhaler. And wouldn't you know, that's all she needed. But, of course, there were so many questions from the doctor. Does she have a fever? Is she coughing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, no. It's just a wheeze. Calm down. Please. I was not going to let them test my kid for the Rona. No brain swabs, please. No. Luckily, that didn't come up. This this pediatrician, I really like. She's no nonsense. She's not a pusher of anything. Right. She just is, like, respectful. Boy, she's a talker, though. Yeah, but she talks so fast. That she's it's got, like... like word vomit thing uh and i think she's i mean she sounds like she's kind of from chicago Chicago suburbs and chicago people have that some of them get that thing especially the ladies out there 
She talks like, real fast. Talk a certain way, and they always talk. They have like a lot of words, and they have like real words, and all of a sudden, it kind of sounds like maybe they're even arguing with themselves. Like, yeah, you know, she'll be like, "Oh, does your kid have a fever? Yeah, she might have a fever, but no, I don't know. She has a really. She doesn't look like she has a fever. She looks like she's doing pretty well, in fact." Does she have a barking cough? Because that could be croup, but I don't know. I, she doesn't sound like she has a barking cough. Oh, yeah, there's a wheeze. There's a wheeze. We can hear the wheeze, but there's no cough going on. No fever. Runny nose? No, no runny nose. Everything seems fine. Oh, you're such a big girl, Rayla. <laughs> it's just, like, so just, hard to jam, like, a an input in there. Because, like, as soon as you want to respond to something, she kind of, like, changes lanes on you and spits something else out. And you're just, like, wow, wild. Well, it, and at first she suggested a nebulizer. You know, not suggested, but she was like, normally, for a three-year-old, we would do a nebulizer. However, with the COVID concerns, she started talking about how you could spread the Rona through a nebulizer with the particles, you know, uh, well, it's recycling like, the air. It's like the, medi- the medicine is already aerosolized that you're taking, so that's the big concern. But there's no kids getting COVID. No. It's but been it was- like that from day one. It's like kids are pretty much... Totally great. Yeah. Unless they have comorbidities, of course. Unless they're, like, enormous, to be as <laughs> polite as possible. If you've seen the youngest COVID death. <laughs> enormous, okay. okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. But, yeah, we got that inhaler. She got a cool mouthpiece to add onto it that, like, holds um, the medicine when you squirt it out. And then has, a, like, a little face mask. So... If she doesn't breathe it all in, it'll store there. And if she breathes out, there's like a release at the top where her breath goes out so that she's not like pushing the medicine out somewhere. Pretty cool. And she's been, uh, at first she was not into it at all. Um, but now she's really good about it. And she hasn't needed it the past two days. So it was almost like a one and done. She just had a little, you know, the it got really cold. And I got overnight destroyed by my allergies. Last night was the worst of it. I'm kind of uh, back over and o- over the hill on it, coming back down from the thunder fucking that my allergies gave me. Yeah. But last night was rough. You looked I'm like you got punched in the face. I'm still a little rough. And then today, so I started Centric yesterday, Woo-hoo! doing full de- uh, full stack web dev, and. Today was fucking picture day, and they didn't even warn us. Oh, no. So I wake up, like, looking like I lost a prize fight. And um, sitting in class, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to take your fucking picture today. And they're like, <coughs> is it okay? And you want to opt out? And you're, like, sitting there, and you're like, well, I'm trying to, like, portfolio build and be professional, get recognized, get a job. And you want to take, like, a pro headshot of me. Like, I need that. So I don't want to say no, but I also don't want to say, like, yeah, I'm so excited. But you're with a bunch of dudes named Ben and dudes named Bernadette, so nobody really, like, is jazzed about getting their picture taken anyway, so that's that's it. I just, I fucking... So you did it? You know, uh, coming up in school, too, like, picture day was always in my peak allergy season. Like, it's always yeah. in the fall. It's always, like, right around now. Yep. And I'm, like, lining you up for school pictures and shit. And you're just like, wow, like, my eyes are, like, fat puffy underneath them like they look bruised with the dark circles because you're lacking oxygen and then my like cheeks are swollen because my sinuses are inflamed (sighs) under them it's fantastic i love it i was i've been doing the neti pot rants at the suggestion of many people on neogen social as well as some other things but neti pot seemed to be helping the most and then it just got to the point where it was so clogged i couldn't even pour the the neti through my face it wouldn't go 
Wouldn't go. Yuck. Yeah. But, uh, hey, full stack's going pretty good. Good. Full stack's going pretty good. Um, there is this mask requirement, but there's only like 15 days of the whole program that's in person. And I just did two of them. And then the next day we're in person on campus is like after Thanksgiving break. So Ooh. it's going to be virtual starting tomorrow through for a while. So that'll be good. I'll just be able to stumble down here into the basement studio and do my work and not have to drive. I mean, it's only a 15 minute drive from here. Uh, one girl in my class, one woman I should say in my class, has to drive an hour and a half to get to uh, class. Holy I was like, mackerel. Forget that. She had to leave her house at seven. Is she from Kansas? I don't know exactly. No. It said, she said an hour and a half away. That's wild. Yeah. That's like people who commute to work every day. I know. My dad Fuck he, that. He drove like a half hour each way every day. Like you live an hour outside of the city and you still drive two hours a day to go to work. Mm. Crazy. It's wild. It's wild. I don't really uh, enjoy commuting, driving regularly. Well, I love driving. But not but during my rush favorite- hour. No, I hate the rush hour thing. I hate driving where I have to be somewhere at a certain time. Yeah. But I love road trips. That's where I love to drive. Yes. I like to get in the car and just go until the tank runs dry, which can be like five to 600 miles on our car. So that's, that's true. What I, that's what I like. I like driving a shitload of distance, preferably doing it at the least busy times. Night driving, I don't mind that at all. Back road driving. Back road driving's fine. It's great. Hills and curves, I'm into that. If it's flat and straight and forever, like if you're driving to Denver from here, and then there's like six hours of Kansas that you're just fucking driving in a straight line, that's a little rough, but... Yeah, Kansas is... Overall, man, I also like to like nerdily calculate the ETA, just like looking at the mile markers and then looking at my speed and like doing the math of like miles per hour and then this and that, breaking it down, you know. How far am I going to get in this amount of time? Uh-huh. I usually got a podcast going. Your autistic tendencies, yeah, I see. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well. You know exactly how it goes. Oh, yeah. I love driving with you. You're a good road trip, buddy. Well, thank you. And um, I'm pretty I'm pretty fun on road trips. So tonight we want to kind of do a little <laughs> something different. Uh, even though we're going to do a few of the same things. And Lorian, of course, has her top 333 stories that we're going to get to. Uh, but we also want to talk a little bit about what the whole Wolf of Kansas City thing means. And then we're going to get into spirit animals, totem uh, animal guides in general. And we're even going to do all together a little exercise to see if we can find our spirit animals together. And then uh, we'll be opening up the lines too. So after we do that, People can call in and see if they uh, have a spirit animal that appeared to them or if they're feeling one. Um, It's kind of hard to be wrong on it. And uh, we'll get into detail a little bit more uh, after the 33 stories. Okay. Start right off with some top 333 then. According to Senior Housing News, 33% of senior housing residents refuse to be tested for COVID. Hmm. That seems low though. It does seem low. Although it is old people, so they're like the peak fear population. Yes. They've been told like to be afraid and they're going to die. Well, they are going to die. I guarantee when I'm an old guy, I'm going to be like, I'm going to die. Fuck it. Yeah. Be like, That's how I feel too. You're going to tell me I'm going to die? I already know that shit. But you know why they did this? Because 33 had to be in the headline. Sure. So 33%. Mm, perfect. Fits the narrative. Fits what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, two states had 
peak Rona diagnoses, but 33 deaths hmm. that Clinton, they say, are caused by COVID. Those two states were Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. So there's two stories in one. 33 Rona deaths. The double 33. In PA and Wisconsin. And then my final top 333 story is about the Pawtucket Red Sox, also known as the Paw Sox, who hosted a 33-hour grand finale as they prepare to move across state lines into Massachusetts and become the Worcester Red Sox. Oh, boy. So they had a 33-hour kind of farewell tribute to the fans and stuff? Yeah. It was, uh, I guess every year they did like a sleepover for the scouts. Oh, cool. And so it coincided with that. And it was just nonstop events at McCoy Stadium. Uh, And there was, in our 33 episode, we talked about the Paw Sox and the longest game in baseball history. That's right. right? Yeah. So the the, um, longest game in pro baseball history was a triple-A game by these Pawtucket uh, Red Sox. The Paw Sox. And uh, actually, it was kind of interesting in the story you sent me. It said that, uh, and I didn't realize this at the time, so even though it was a triple-A game, there were uh, it featured Hall of Famers playing against each other. Hmm. So um, it was during the MLB strike in the 80s, early 80s, uh, April 18th, 1981. Um, it's when the game started, and it went well into <laughs> the early morning hours of the 19th. Um, Two to two tie in thirty-two win- innings. It was rainy. Jeez. It was cold. It was miserable. They finally suspended play, and then the game uh, resumed on June twenty-third. So that's like over a month later that they picked the game back up. Uh, which is, you know, baseball is not uh, unprecedented. If sometimes a rain delay will happen, or sometimes. Uh, like in this case, the extra innings will go so long, they will suspend and then p- reschedule the end of the game. Uh, and then Pawtucket won the game in the bottom of the 33rd inning. Uh, both teams featured a future Hall of Famer in the historic contest, the longest game in pro baseball history, Cal Ripken, who went 2-for-13 for the uh, for the Sox, the Rochester Red Sox, that is. And then Wade Boggs was on Pawtucket. He was 4-for-12 four, uh, four in the game. So, yes. Fantastic piece of baseball history and 33 history wrapped into one. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> getting that headline with their 33-hour grand finale. Our buddy Lavish in the chat points out 333,000 viewers on AOC Twitch stream. She got a Twitch channel. Oh. So she's in there twitching. Is she uh, playing uh, Last of Us or something like that? <laughs> I saw she was trying to... Yeah, people yeah, to play she, some I video think, games I'm pretty with sure her. she was playing Last of Us. I peeked in for like 33 seconds. Oh, nice. Among Us. And then I get the Last of Us, that's not that's a single-player game. Us. Among Us. Adungus. Well, they're doing an um, auction in December to sell seats and signage from McCoy Stadium. So it's kind of sad being there for that long and then yeah, making this change. It is wild and sad. Bittersweet, but that's not I a guess. super far move from... Pawtucket to Worcester. Oh, no, no. No, no, it's like an hour. <clears throat> yeah. That's the one crazy thing about but living in like New England, man. You can just drive everywhere and like, well, as long as there's no traffic. Right. It's like 30 minutes. I lived 30 minutes south of Boston, 30 minutes north of Providence, Rhode Island. Just crossing state lines left and right because they're so damn small. Yeah, it's like one of the few places you can 
go to the next state and like see somebody in one of your neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Like run into them unexpectedly kind of thing. Like frequently. Uh, so yeah, spirit animals and such. What do you think? What do you think? We're going to talk a little bit about it. It's kind of like an, our next installment of the Philosopher's Stoned um, Ooh, ideas. Been um, a minute. Just kind of like philosophy slash spirituality, but like in a kind of a stonery take where, you know, the uh, limits are lifted and the labels are kind of fluid, liquid, smoky, let's say. Um, I really have always relied kind of heavily on this um, Animal Speak by Ted Andrews, uh, which is a really great resource for animal totems, animal guides. And I just wanted to kind of go through some parts of it. Um, spirit guides can come in many forms, but like one of the most common forms and one of the most easy to interact with and grasp, especially if you're just starting out with like spiritual uh, guidance and you know you're you, especially if you haven't had a religious upbringing or anything like that um, the most com- one of the most common forms spirit guides take are the form of animals and um, just about every ancient society study the natural world in order to understand the supernatural so gods and goddesses are often depicted depicted as animals uh, like in fuck ancient Egypt very obvious example uh, also here the natives uh, the Native Americans of many different tribes um, worshipped and acknowledged or you know even worship is a weird word because of its connotations but uh, acknowledged communed with and respected prayed to the spirit uh, the animal spirits um, and so this book just kind of talks about how nature in the guise of animals is a means by which spiritual links with the physical and so we can kind of see touch feel and think about things that we can't otherwise explain describe or understand Uh, a totem is any natural object animal or being whose phenomena and energy you feel closely associated with during your life so the cool thing too about spirit guides or totems is you can have more than one Uh, usually there's like a main one that you relate to the most and the longest but even like different times in your life or as you grow older as you shift in and out of different phases of your life your totem uh, can change uh, unexpectedly. <laughs> I've done totem twice. <laughs> Fletcher says in the chat. I swear to God. Oh. The study of animal totems is essential for understanding how the spiritual realm is manifesting within your natural life. We can use animal totems and their images to learn about ourselves and the invisible world. We don't have to believe that these images are totems uh, and they are beings of great intelligence, but there is an archetypal power that resides behind um, and it oversees and manifests through all of these creatures. These archetypes have their own qualities and characteristics which are reflected in the behaviors and the activities of these animals. So I'm going to kind of go through some questions to keep in your mind and then in a while we're going to do a little bit of like a meditation exercise and we're going to think about some animal totems. But between now and then I'm going to kind of talk about what the wolf means to me. And Lorraine's going to kind of talk about what her totem is that she feels uh, for the longest. But do you know your animal totems? That's what we want to talk to you about. And, uh, you know, if you're listening live, just kind of keep these questions in the front of your mind. And the beautiful part, if you're listening to this downloaded, is that you can come back to the, you know, meditation or you can wait until you are in a less busy spot. You know, when we're doing the meditation spot, you don't need to be driving down the road. You need to be in a comfortable place where you're not going to be interrupted and your phone's not going to go off and that sort of thing. But think about these questions. Uh, just kind of think them over. Have them in the back of your mind while we're kind of going down. Uh, what ours mean and, and kind of who we are as people because of them. Which animal or bird has always fascinated you? 
So we are kind of drawn to that which resonates most with us. The animals that we find interesting uh, always have something to teach us. When you visit the zoo, which animal do you want to visit first or do you want to visit the most? Especially when you were a kid, because when you were a kid, not only are those feelings stronger and you're more a little you're a little more in tune spiritually because you just don't know and you haven't been deprogrammed to to forget a lot of the uh, spiritual aspects that we kind of pop out already uh, having been blessed with. Uh, what animals do you see most frequently when you're out in nature? And have you had encounters with animals in the wild? Uh, animals that you encounter either in the city environment or in the wild have significance for us and you can learn from them. And that's sort of more of like the daily what's going on in your life thing, especially if, you know, throughout a week, like I've been seeing raccoons like crazy for the past like three weeks, just everywhere, most of them dead, unfortunately. But uh, lots of raccoons. What's up with that? Of all the animals in the world, which are you most interested in now? Uh, your interest in animals can change, kind of like I said before, you move in and out of phases in your life. What animal most frightens you? Uh, sometimes that which you fear the most is something that you have to learn to come to terms with or something that's trying to teach you. Uh, have you ever been bitten or attacked by an animal? So historically, like if sh a shaman would survive an animal attack, it was believed the animal was the shaman spirit totem, and that attack was kind of the totem's way of testing that shaman's ability to handle all that power. And then, do you have dreams with animals in them, or are there animal dreams you have never forgotten? And again, that one kind of applies um, more strongly to, to your younger self, too, like if you can remember dreams from your childhood, or if the dream is recurring, especially if the image of that animal is kind of burnt in and front and center uh, in that dream. The, uh, another thing to note too, as we go through this is, um, the animal really chooses the person and not the other way around. And so it's not something that you really can force or fake. No animal is better or worse than any other. Every other, every man, uh, excuse me, every animal medicine is unique and it's always better to be powerful in mouse ma medicine than clumsy and ineffectual in eagle medicine. Uh, you'll find the greatest success in the animal that comes to you. And that might be a lesson in and of itself is if uh, if you really do start to actively seek out your totem with an open mind and then you're like disappointed somehow in what you find, that may be its own lesson of, you know, where, where does the disappointment stem from? And then once you do find that uh, animal, if you want to have that medicine effective in your life, uh, the most effective way to do that is to honor your totem. And there's a lot of ways to do that, but hanging pictures of them, drawing pictures of them, reading and learning as much about them as possible. If you have access to see one either in a zoo environment or, you know, um, sometimes domestic animals also can be a totem. Uh, those typically aren't like full life totems. And sometimes they also kind of connect to a wild totem. So like if you're a dog person, there's a wolf connection, or if you're a cat person, there may be a, a panther or a tiger connection there. Uh, buying figurines of your totem for yourself, or, this is kind of interesting, purchasing small tokens and images of your totem and gifting them to friends as gifts so that even your friends kind of associate that animal with you and you gave them that uh, oh, little cool. thing. Those are all ways to kind of influence, increase, uh, and kind of manifest all of that totem magic so let's talk a little bit about the wolf huh yeah 
The wolf has kind of always been a piece of my life. One of the first dreams that I can ever remember had to do with wolves, lots of wolves. And at first they were attacking and it was like a really, it started out as a nightmare. Um, But by the time they got to me and encircled me, they kind of took me into the pack to the end where I was like running with the wolves throughout the forest in the moonlight. And like we're all howling and the wolves are howling and I'm howling. And it was like, it ended up being like fantastic. And I like told my mom all about it right when she woke up or right when I woke up, I should say. And that's one that was always stuck with me, that visual imagery of, like, going from terrified wolf attack to, like, these wolves are my families, and we're, like, running through all the trees and dodging stuff around. Um, I'm just going to read the wolf entry right out of the Dictionary of Animal Totems here in this book. Like I said, uh, Animals Speak by Ted Andrews. Wolf, uh, the keynote there, guardianship, ritual, loyalty, and spirit. And then they also list a cycle of power. For each animal so the wolf cycle of power is year round um, but heightened during full moons and twilight and really those liminal times um, as the sun is setting and then as right before the sun rises uh, the liminal times wolves are probably the most misunderstood of the wild mammals tales of terror and their cold-bloodedness abound although many stories tell otherwise there has never been any confirmed attack and killing of a human by a healthy wolf. In spite of the negative press, wolves are almost exact opposite of how they are portrayed. They are friendly, social, and highly intelligent. Their sense of family is strong and loyal, and they live by carefully defined rules and rituals. Wolves are the epitome of the wild spirit. Their positive characteristics are so numerous, it is no wonder that the Native Americans and others practically deified them. Many believe that the true test of America's sincerity about protecting the environment will revolve around whether or not the wolf remains protected and is allowed to be reintroduced into areas of the country where it has heretofore been eliminated. The wolf is the true spirit of the free and unspoiled wilderness. There are several kinds of wolves in North America. The red wolf is the smallest, and it may even be extinct in the wild, although there are efforts to reintroduce it. Its territory was in the southern United States. The Mexican wolf is a subspecies of the more common gray wolf. It's found in the southwest U.S. and Mexico. It was hunted almost to extinction and is now part of recovery and captive uh, breeding plan. The Arctic wolf is probably the purest breed, living in an isolated area around the Arctic Circle, has enabled its survival. The grayer timber wolf is the most common, only in Alaska, Canada, and the region around the Great Lakes area is it found today. It was also hunted to extinction in all uh, other er areas of the country. The gray wolf is not always gray. It can be black, gray, brown, white, or various combinations of the above. Probably the biggest misconception of wolves is about their size. They are not nearly as large as most people imagine. Their thick fur gives an appearance of greater size, but they are usually no taller than a good-sized German shepherd. Wolves are very ritualistic in as many ways as humans. They live by carefully defined rules. There are specific territories that are sacred. Their social behavior is based upon a hierarchical structure. Each has its place and function within the hierarchy. There is an alpha male, and an alpha female. Wolves don't fight unnecessarily. In fact, they will often go out of their way to avoid it. Although they are extremely strong and powerful, disagreements rarely end in serious fights. Often just a glance, a posture, a growl is all that is necessary to determine dominance. They don't have to demonstrate it, but they are capable if it comes down to it. This is part of what wolf medicine teaches. The wolf teaches you to know who you are and to develop, develop strength, confidence, and surety in that. So you don't have to demonstrate and prove yourself to all. Um, every time I read about wolves and um, what they mean in their symbology, it always comes up the loyalty, the perseverance, the intuition, especially freedom. Um, 
that connection to instinct and ritual, I just always get heartstring tugs every time I think about it because all those things are very important to me. And like that uh, intimidation factor where, um, I don't know, like I've met a lot of people who like the first time they ever met me, they said they were like afraid of me or like, you know, and I gave them like a aggressive vibe when it's like not really very me at all, but maybe that's part of the wolf's, uh, let's say, defense mechanism or their survival uh, instinct is to put off that aggressive vibe so they don't have to deal with like the actual fighting. I don't know, like fights in my life. I've I've punched two people in the face in my life and that's kind of the extent to like real fights I've been in was like conflict sparked up, I hit a guy in the face, fight over. <laughs> like and uh I don't really get into fights often, but you know, but it's rare. It's like two, two ever. And, um, but I was like, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm not ready. You know, it's not like I wouldn't do that. It's not like I wouldn't jump in if I had to. I just, I think I've always carried myself and seen, um, things coming before they happen to a way where I can avoid all of that. I think it's interesting. Your first physical altercation too had to do with your family dog. Right. So that was my neighbor. I was maybe 10, something like that. 10 or 11. And my neighbor was a year younger than me, and he was out in the yard. My dog was out in the yard, and I was out in the yard, and uh, he was, like, playing with his stick. My neighbor was, and he just whacked my dog over the head with a stick. And my dog, like, yiped out. And I just took two steps up to him, and I cocked him right in the fucking nose. Just real hard, dude. Just, like, good full swing, like a... F- like a cartoon punch to the face and his like blood just shot out his nose. I don't know if I broke his nose or not. I mean, I didn't, it didn't feel like I couldn't feel that it broke or hear that it broke. I just punched him as hard as I could, but he ran inside crying to his mom and their parents said, what'd you do? And he said, I hit a dog on the head with a stick. And they were like, well, you can't do that shit. (laughs) It's like, uh, that's why you got hit in the face, man. That goes with loyalty and family. Yeah. The themes that are just repeating throughout uh, it's funny too because wolves, their behavior—it's um, more—they're more social than a lot of uh, other animals, and uh, they're more expressive as well. And get this—they travel in nuclear families consisting of a mated pair accompanied by their offspring. Oh wow! Which is how we move through life, like pretty much always. Yep. You know? um, and that's the pack, and the pack just grows and grows. So. Um, I don't know. I think it's fantastic. The uh, the wolf medicine. Um, the wolf has extreme intelligence. It goes out of its way to avoid trouble or danger. Some believe that wolves even use ravens as aerial spotters for possible food sources. So anytime you read about the wolf, you will uh, learn that the raven is really closely related with them. And they help each other. They help each other scavenge for food, find food, find weak animals. Uh, the raven likes the wolf because the raven always gets the leftovers. The wolf likes the raven because the raven can find the targets and the meat. So they're they're often seen together in the wild. Um, they also have a complex system of vocal communications. They howl, whimper, whine, growl, and even bark. Even the howls for which they are famous have a variety of different meanings. They may serve as a signal to call others of the pack or to locate the other members. They also may be a social expression. They're used to greet one another and to define their territories. They even howl just for the joy of howling, too. And every member of the pack knows its position in relationship to everyone else within the pack. The ritualistic behaviors that establish the wolf's ranks are part of its magic. Wolf packs are not entirely autocratic. 
under the supreme rule of the alpha member, neither are they entirely democratic. There are times when both occur, and that flexibility adds to the success of the wolf's natural government. Wolf can teach the lesson of proper governorship, a balance between authority and democracy. Wolf can also teach you how to use ritual to establish order and harmony within your own life. Wolf helps us to understand that true freedom requires discipline. That nuance, you know, of uh, it's not all over here, it's not all over there. It's that independence. It's, you know, constantly changing. And that's, uh, to me, you know, why I chose the wolf name when I when I finally reached knighthood in Milligina. The wolf of Kansas City, I just, uh, I also kind of wanted it to, this is, the, this is the thing you can do with totem magic, is you can... Uh, like it talked about earlier, you can hang pictures of them around. But if you really like associate yourself with it in that way, you're calling on it. You know, you're calling upon that wolf spirit. You're saying, "Hey, I'm the wolf," and other people start to see you that way. It's almost a way of explaining who you are in a subtle way that uh, you know might everyone might not even understand. It's like uh, the whole idea behind this is, is Darren O'Neill's little bit we played at the beginning of the show where he asked and it never really got answered. So that's what I'm doing right now. It never really got answered. What what does it mean? What does it mean to be the wolf? What does it mean to be the wolf? And um, it means a lot to me, but, you know, family loyalty and um, everything that goes with that. What do you think, Lorian? Well, I was going to say I, a lot of nodding. I Yeah, that's what I do. I let you talk and <laughs> I don't step on you. I just nod and listen. It's your totem to talk about. Well, you have a totem, though. Yeah. Well, first I wanted to say I think it's interesting. Missouri is one of very few states that has a wolf center or wolf sanctuary, which is pretty cool. Where it's is in it? Eureka. Okay. Just outside of St. Louis, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, yeah, when you picked the name Wolf of Kansas City for your night name, I hate to say this, but the first thing that came to my head was Wolf of Wall Street. Sure. Well, it's not... Uh it wasn't like it wasn't in my mind. And it's funny, too, because that was the time when I was getting out of dryer vent, working as a dryer vent repair technician, and I had just gotten my real estate license. And it was also born of that hunger. Mm. I had that deep hunger, and I still have that hunger. It hasn't gone away of, like, I should be doing more. I should be earning more. I should be bringing more home to the table for the family. And that's what I wanted to be, was the wolf of the city. And, you know... Whether that translates like that. into the real estate aspect of it or whether that's going to roll into being a software programmer or whatever that's going to roll into, it has to, you know, manifest. And that was that was part of why I chose it was was, um, you know, money was definitely in my mind at the time. And I think at the time I asked for jobs karma, too. But, you know, that's still playing out. And I think that's that's growing. Um, and really being a part of this No Agenda community, putting out even this little podcast every week and talking to so many people through whether it's the troll room or whether it's No Agenda Social or whatever it's on, bird site even, um, all of that energy that I put out and get back is, is going into that, uh, is kind of shaping my path and that's part of what led me into trying to be a dude named Ben, you know? It's like, maybe this makes sense. Like, an overwhelming majority of these guys out here that, like, we talk to all the time are doing that. And I just feel like that's the community for me. I just fit right in, you know? Hell yeah. And I haven't really seen, I've never seen a wolf, a real wolf in, in person. So that's kind of interesting. Huh. I would love to, I guess, you you know, honor the totem or whatever, actually see a wolf. But I've seen plenty of them in Visions. Is there a difference seeing them in visions? 
or seeing them in person. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think it'd be very different to see one in person. <laughs> For sure. Lavish says Wolf Sanctuary. Uh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hop in the car, I know. man. That would be cool. We know someone who volunteered there. You know, I'd love to go spend a day there and see what's up. You know, my bio mom was super into wolves. Mm-hmm. And so wolf is definitely something I relate to, but have never had as my own totem. But on the wolf note still, I did get you a congrats on going to coding school present. Back to school present. Oh, my goodness. Um, You want me to tell them about yeah. it? Or, oh. Okay, so... The Pearson clan loves cribbage. This bunch of Swedes. They always play cribbage. It was the first time I ever played cribbage when I got went to a, uh, I think it was Thanksgiving with the Pearsons, your grandparents up in Iowa. And they hold like a family cribbage tournament at every chance they get. You just keep playing until you get knocked out, you know. And um, so different members of your family collect cribbage boards. And we have started doing that. We have found handmade cribbage boards along our adventures that we've picked up and I wanted to get you a present for going to school and whatever just a little encouragement present and I found this wolf cribbage board online that was so cool I couldn't leave it behind it's not ivory but it's like a ceramic that sort of feels like ivory and it's a box so you can keep two decks of cards and your pegs inside and then it's got two wolves etched on the front. Pretty dope. Pick that up for you. And then I did a reverse image search to see if I could find it or who made it. And I couldn't find anything from it. So I don't know how old it is, if it's handmade or what's going on with it. But then I found another wolf cribbage board that I couldn't leave behind either. And I won in an eBay bid. Uh, so, you know, I ended up getting you like two presents instead of one, but I said that that second one was more for me than you. Yeah. Cause it's a, it was wooden and it has a drawing of a wolf like printed onto it and it's got like shiny gold metallic details and I was like, Ooh, shiny. And I told you that's why I wanted that one for me, but both wolves gonna hang that one on the wall. We played, we broke them in the other night. I won one game, and then you won one game on the board. On the boards that were ours. Yeah, so I won the game on the wooden one. You won the game on the box. Yep. Pretty crazy. So my totem, well, before I get into it, I did want to comment. You mentioned <laughs> shamans being attacked by animals. Yeah. And so the closest thing to a wolf I would feel like that happened to me was when I got bit by a dog. Mm-hmm. And this was a huge fucking dog. I mean, it was a really big I mean, it might as well have been a wolf. Yeah, compared to me especially. <clears throat> but we were go- We were visiting a friend who lived in a duplex at the time. And when we got there, <clears throat> she made this comment like, it's a good thing my neighbor's dog's not out because he would eat your face off. And I was like, wow, nice fucking dog. But what happens? Oh, I don't know. I had to get something out of the car, and I had totally forgotten about that comment. Went back to the car. And then I just hear, like, f- like feet pounding on the ground behind me. I was like, oh, fuck. Dog's running down the <laughs> porch. I'm trying to get past the chain link fence. And it got me, like, backed right up against the fence, grabbed onto my arm, and started shaking. It was, like, w- like some sort of mastiff mix. 
like a Rottweiler, a Mastiff mixed with like a Shepherd. It was a crazy yeah. looking dog <laughs> and just fierce. But anyways, I put my arm up. I thought for sure it was going to knock me down because it was definitely bigger than me. I mean, I'm four foot ten. It was huge. And it grabbed my arm. I managed to just plant my feet like real hard into the ground. I punched it in the nose like three times and that sucker did not let go. It felt like the clamping feeling of being bit by a dog that's not letting go is so weird to describe. Uh, but anyways, I screamed so loud. I did my... I'm a good screamer, <laughs> as you know, in many ways. But I screamed. You ran out. Dude ran out who owned the dog. Knocked that dog to the ground. And uh, I got my shit taken care of. We went inside. And we had a weird moment inside where usually if I... Um, I've gone through, like, a long struggle of, like, passing out when there's, like, not trauma. It's really, like, needles for me, like, blood needles. Oh, I get woozy. But with this, I looked at my arm, and I had, like, meat hanging out of these holes and blood everywhere. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm probably going to pass out. And you probably were thinking that, too. Yeah, so, I, th I thought you were going to pass out. Yeah, I was pale as fuck. I know that. I was like, don't look at it. And... Oh, but I couldn't help it. Right. <laughs> it was nasty. And I, um, but I, I started to feel kind of eh. And I looked at you. I made eye contact with you. And somehow it's like I transferred that energy over to you. And you were just immediately like, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> and then you threw up. In the, luckily in the toilet. We were in the bathroom. Yeah. Trying to address the wound. Doing first aid. And uh, yeah, that was wild. That, that was a weird magic moment. Was a super spiritual thing where... You were like teetering. I could kind of tell because your eyes get real big and they start rolling around <laughs> oh, all over shit. the place. And then you locked eyes with me. You like exhaled and I felt it come into me. It was like, boom. It was like immediate. It was like it came out of you into me. And I was like, holy shit. And I like even matter of factly just was like, I think I'm going to throw up. Yeah, exactly. And like took two steps over the toilet and I puked and I puked out whatever the hell it was. And, and I felt great. <laughs> like I was just totally fine from that whole rest of the time. She green mild me. She did. It was. It was just like that. I mean, it's still kind of hard to believe, even looking back and remembering it. But yeah, one of the like most solidly obvious spiritual um, interactions I've ever had with anyone. And for me too, I I hate to say this, but I totally deserved that attack. Like I was in a really bad <laughs> spiritual place. I was making bad decisions. My, you know, mostly affecting loyalty. I was kind of wavering between, like, going back to Massachusetts, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, no, you know, that kind of solidified, like, oh, no, this is your place out here. Like, you, this is home, you know? So, and, it was uh, interesting how that all ties you together. You did, uh, it, it, it mentioned <clears throat> the shaman that survives an attack. It's a test of can you handle the wolf medicine, essentially, you know? Yeah. Can you handle the medicine? You can handle it, you did. With I my did. help, <laughs> directly. And when I was a kid, I was terrified of dogs also. And like I said, my uh, mom, she was obsessed with wolves and had big dogs. And so I like, I don't know. That kind of was like uncomfortable visiting her because I was allergic to dogs. I didn't want to be around them. And now I just love dogs. And dogs love you. Yeah. I have never had a problem with a dog other than that. And I've also, like, encountered... There's tons of stray dogs in Kansas City, and they're pretty much all pitties. But they're, they've all been 
fine with me. Yeah. Some of them, they'll just even walk right up to me. I'm like, oh, shit. But <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. So my spirit animal, I didn't really like the description in this book. So I'm probably in your book. That's okay. Unfortunately. So I'm not probably going to use that. My, what I think is my totem, I encountered when on one of my first trips to the zoo, I was probably, that I remember, I'm sure I went many times before, but it's probably like around five. And it was the Stone Zoo in Stoneham, Massachusetts, which is one of the few zoos that has one of these animals. The animal is a snow leopard. Mm. And the reason why I felt chosen by it is because... Like most big cats, when I started walking towards the exhibit, the snow leopard was just like laying up in its like high loft bed, you know, one paw down, just snoozing. And as I approached, the thing opened its eyes. And I remember I was like, wow, it has really bright, light eyes, like blue or green. And then it just made its way down like real slow. I was like, oh, maybe it wants to eat me. Just like walked real majestically in front of me paced back and forth a few times and then laid down in the cage like right before me it was so intense I was like wow and I've never forgotten that and that was my uh so I just felt kind of like chosen by it you know yeah I've never really had at the zoo an encounter like that usually the zoo for me is pretty lackluster yeah, it's like usually oh, they're just like sleeping behind they're all the rock, sleeping far or away they're trying to hide from you yeah they're like mm, don't look at me yeah um and unfortunately the kansas city zoo does not have a snow leopard but the omaha zoo does so i would like to go up there and see it sometime themes around the snow leopard include self-reliance most importantly which is something that has been a lifelong struggle for me. Uh, you would say that. When you met me, you thought I was like super dependent on my family. No, it wasn't an opinion. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, financially. like. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. I was. There was were like lots of. Uh, 80% them and 20% me. <laughs> strings attached <laughs> there. Yeah. Which I slowly, you know, pulled out those cords and stood up on my own. Like a wolf lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot to do with there's a lot of like shadow work with um the snow leopard or like you know kind of like identifying your demons and then taking care of them settling them but identifying them is the most important part of it um but going back to the self-reliance there's a lot of like abandonment issues that seem to come up with this totem and well i was raised by my great-grandparents so my whole life was like my caretaker, my anxiety as a child was my caretakers are going to die in their sleep. Like, <laughs> I'm going to wake up one day and not know where I'm supposed to go because I'm being raised by 70 year olds. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, my great grandma is still here today. And my great grandpa passed right after I moved to Missouri. It was actually like the week, the week we I met. met Spence. Yeah. And I felt like that was some weird energy shift, like the patriarchal energy or something. But. So there's a lot of um, trying to remember, you know, that we're never alone, but battling that loneliness. Also, uh, self-reliance being in, like, trusting yourself sure, and listening to your inner voice, which is something I have trouble with. I don't. I'm still, I like to think, <laughs> I don't like to think. I know I'm pretty, I, I can be kind of dependent on you, but I see 
the snow leopard come out when I'm in pain because I retreat. I just want to be alone. Yeah. And like childbirth is one of those experiences where I'm just like, no, no, I got this. Like, I just want to be alone though because I don't want to scare anyone and like, but I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. I do better like on my own if I know I'm not like worrying anyone else in those instances. Um, And then another interesting one is how snow leopards blend in with their environment pretty much despite their spots, you know, kind of an important lesson for humans too is knowing when to blend in and when to stand out (coughs) and i'm kind of one of those people that i like to fade into the background and then if i see an opportunity and i know that i can own that opportunity i will pounce and seize it just like a snow leopard yeah like i can see my target and grab it and be good but other than that like i like to stay out of the spotlight um you know a silence is something i really value and i think that's a very snow leopard-esque trait. Sure. Um, yeah, and perception. Uh, they talk about being really good at like reading other people. Uh, there's, It's hard to surprise me, I think. And it's also like, I think I have a pretty good intuition about things, too. I'm pretty good at like, I'll make guesses about situations, let's say. And then most of the time, <laughs> I'd say I'm right. Like, if there's some, you know, stuff going on in the background, I'll pull Spence aside and be like, hey, do you think that maybe this happened? And (laughs) Spence will be like, I don't know. And then he'll, like, approach people and ask questions because you're personable. Sure. And then you'll come back to me and be like, damn, you nailed it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. I I thought that was interesting. I've never... I have read into this totem before and felt like, oh, yeah, that really strikes a chord with me. But rereading about the snow leopard today, I was just like, yep, I think it's still my totem. I think this might be like a lifelong path um, for me because especially for the self-reliance purposes, still something I'm working on. Uh, it's just a daily, a daily struggle, but it's good. It's good to, you know, have something to work on and see and see lessons when they come up like the dog bite, you know, yeah. you got to be aware of these things. And uh awareness is something i like to pride myself on i'm kind of like hyper vigilant i guess you would call me sure like when we're out in public (laughs) i'm just like assessing everything constantly it's kind of crazy my mind never rests so what we're gonna do now is kind of get into a little relaxed space if you are Sitting in a comfy chair, that's cool. If you're lying back on a couch, maybe even lying down on a bed. Maybe you've got some headphones on. Maybe it's just in the speaker. Um, What you're going to want to do, though, is find a comfy place where you don't really need to move, where you're relaxed, got everything you need for the next, I don't know, five to ten minutes or so. And you're just going to kind of don't, you know, you're going to take your time. The more relaxed you are, the more effective that this exercise will be. And don't worry if your mind wanders. Just bring it back to where you left off and keep going. And just simply imagine the scenes that follow. Just listen to my voice and listen to the sounds of nature. And as you relax, 
and you're going to find yourself growing lighter and lighter. Your surroundings are going to seem to fade. And now you're wrapped in the warm, dark cloak of your own energy and mind. It's safe. It's warm. It's comfortable. In your mind's eye, you begin to see a soft light. And slowly the view opens. You find yourself at the edge of a crystalline pool of water. The sky above is blue, and there's a soft haze on the distant horizon. Above you, the sun and the moon can be seen together in the sky. You're not sure if it's dusk or if it's dawn, but you know it is one of those powerful between times, a time in which there is a thinning of the veils between the physical and the spiritual. To your right, at the end of the pool, there's a waterfall. The spray from it is cool and misty, and where it touches the pool, water ripples outward, distorting all reflections. It gives the area a surreal appearance. You look about you at the green grasses and the distant trees, and all is silent. It is as if nature is in a state of quiet anticipation. You look back to the waterfall, and you notice there's a dark area behind it. You move toward it, and as you stand close to the waterfall, you see a cave half concealed behind it. You step carefully behind the waters and into the muted darkness of the inner cave. You're surprised for it is illuminated with soft torches. The light given off from them give the open chamber a sort of warmth. Somehow it looks familiar, and it makes you feel as though you were expected. To the back of that chamber is a tunnel that is also lit with torches. You glance over your shoulder to the area beyond the waterfall, and then you walk further into the cave. It is as warm and comfortable as it first appeared, and as you step further in, toward that back tunnel, you feel a slight giddiness, and a soft childlike laugh slips out. For the first time in a long time, you feel like a child, about to open and explore wondrous treasures of the world. You step from the chamber onto the path of the tunnel, and begin to follow it slowly. It is well lit, and you are not at all uncomfortable. You reach out and touch the walls with your hands, and you're surprised at their warmth. It is as if you could feel the lifeblood of the earth itself flowing through its walls. As you move further along, the tunnel widens and grows taller. The torches are fewer and more distant, but you notice that it seems to be getting lighter still. Then you pass a couple of torches that are not even lit. You stop and touch them, just to confirm they have not recently gone out. And then as you look ahead, you see the reason. The tunnel has widened so greatly that the sun is able to penetrate almost 50 yards back. You can see beyond the end of the tunnel. There is a distant river and lush green grass. The sunlight sparkles off of it 
as it would the morning dew on a summer's day. Across the field is the edge of a rich, deep green forest. You pause only a moment, and then you run the last 50 yards and burst from the tunnel into warm sunlight in this beautiful meadow. The sun is warm upon your face, and the grass soft beneath your feet. Your nose is teased with the fragrance of honey and spring wildflowers. The air is sweet, and you tilt back your head and stretch your arms wide. You spin and swirl and laugh at the beauty and the lightness of this meadow. Next to the river is a large, ancient oak tree. Surrounding it is the greenest and most lush grass you have ever seen. You run to it and sit down beneath it. You stretch out and roll in its softness, and you inhale its sweetness. Then you sit up. Next to the tree is a stone, shaped as if carved into a chair. You make your way to the stone and sit down upon it, and as you do, you find that it fits your form perfectly. It makes you giggle with wonder. You breathe deeply, and from this chair you look about you. It is quiet and peaceful, and you know that this meadow is a place where wildlife must surely come. And for a moment you envy the animals and the birds for having such a place of beauty. You sit upon that stone chair, and you enjoy the beauty of nature. It is as if with each breath you become more and more a part of it, and it becomes more and more a part of you. Then suddenly your breath catches. You see a movement out of the corner of your eye at the edge of the forest. You hold your breath. Maybe you will get to see some wildlife. Then from among the trees comes movement. It may soar above you, or it may step out into the meadow. You sit still, watching, as an animal appears in your vision. Don't force it. Allow it to show itself to you. And as it does, its eyes seek you out and hold your gaze. Never have you seen anything so wonderful, so unique. Such animals have always seemed so wild and out of touch. There's no fear as it moves closer, only recognition and wonder. Surely this must be a dream. Then, as if in response to your thoughts, it makes a sound, a movement, a gesture, and you fix your eyes upon it. In that moment, you begin to understand. You catch glimpses of memories of how it may have helped you in the past. You now know why you have always been fascinated with it. And then it begins to move toward that tunnel. It pauses and turns to look back at you as if telling you it is time to go on. You stand and begin to follow it. As you approach the mouth of the tunnel, it waits. It is so close. With just a few steps, you could touch it. Carefully, gently, you extend your hand out to it. But before your hand gets close enough to actually touch it, 
It jumps, and it is heading back to the edge of the forest. It pauses, looking back at you once more, and then disappears into the green. You understand. It will take time to develop a relationship. There is much you have to learn from each other. Until then, you must be patient. You smile a sweet sadness, and then move back into the tunnel, following it back to the waterfall. As you step from the cave behind the waterfall, you look into the crystal pool. You see your reflection rippling, and then behind your reflection, you see the form of your animal totem. You catch your breath and you laugh, thanking it for opening to you. As you do, its image disappears, and the scene around you begins to fade. You are again back in the warm darkness of your own mind. The image of your totem is strong within you, as you breathe deeply and allow yourself to come back to your surroundings. Welcome back from that little journey. How was that? Um, do you have any thoughts you'd like to share your uh, experience or your totem with us? Uh, phone lines are open, I believe. Like I said, we've never done this, so trying it out. But uh, the number, if you so desire, is 816-607-DOOF. That's 816-607-3663. Um, yeah, what do you think? Have you done this meditation? I have done this meditation, in fact, yes. Um, that's actually how I was introduced to this book originally. Was the, oh, wow. Uh, the, um, a guided meditation? Guided meditation from it. In fact, the one I just read. Yeah. Um, at the time, uh, I want to say that it was, a, it was some sort of smaller mammal that I saw. I want to say it was like a beaver or something. But I can't exactly remember. <coughs> Excuse me. Did I do a meditation <coughs> with you? I don't that remember. Time? I think Was it the place so. where we got that hammock chair? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I can't remember dude's name, but yeah, when I f when we did that meditation that time, he was the short, stocky guy with these thick dreads. Yeah, the kind of guys that look like sort of hybrids between trolls and trees, almost a druid. Yeah, <laughs> definitely like an earth boy. Hell yeah, earthy boy. When we did that meditation with him. This must have been, what, 2011, 2012? Mm -hmm. I know, I remember, I saw a toucan. I don't remember what that meant. But, you know, doing it again right now, you want to know what I saw? What did you see? A hummingbird. A hummingbird? Yeah, like a ruby-throated, uh, like green, you know, green hummingbird with a red chest. Fantastic. Yes, I thought that was interesting. Hummingbird will be in also, the book. my mind is so uh, jumbled, but... Two things about the snow leopard mm -hmm. I really wanted to get in. One is that, like the wolf, snow leopards don't attack people, like healthy snow leopards. Right. They don't attack or eat humans. And the other thing is, like, the white and black coloring has a lot to do with yin-yang principles, which have been, like, a recurring theme between us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do also with, like, identifying things that are counterproductive or harmful for yourself and then like 
replacing them, getting rid of them and replacing them with more healthy things. Interesting. Yes. But what does uh, Ted Andrews have to say about my hummingbird? Well, the hummingbird represents tireless joy and the nectar of life and their cycle of powers during the daytime. Uh, the hummingbird may be the smallest of birds, but it's also the most fascinating. Anyone who's ever seen this tiny bird is filled with a sense of wonder and joy. Its name comes from the vibration of its wings as it flies or hovers. We've all heard how good it is to whistle while we work, but the humming is much more effective. It creates an internal massage, restoring health and balance. This is uh, what the hummingbird reminds us to do. Mm. It reminds us to find joy in what we do and to sing it out. There are over 300 species of hummingbirds. This is very significant. In the Hebrew alphabet, the letter shin is given the number... Uh, the numerical value, that is, of 300. This has associations with fire and relationships, the past and the future. As we will see later, it is even reflected in the wing movement of the hummingbird. It has the ability to move its wings in a figure-eight pattern, a symbol for infinity and links to the past and future and the laws of cause and effect. And in fact, it's really cool if you look at <coughs> a super slow-mo video of hummingbird wings flapping. They do. They, they flap in like a figure-eight pattern. Um... Hummingbirds have knowledge of how to use flowers for healing. This includes their fragrance, their color, their herbal qualities. They can teach you how to draw the life essence from them and create your own medicines. Uh, in the case of Bach flower remedies and other elixirs, they can teach you how to use flowers to heal and win hearts in love. Um, it's the only bird that can fly backwards, which reflects the hummingbird's ability to explore the past and to draw from it the nectars of joy. The hummingbird can help you find joy and sweetness in any situation. Its swiftness is always a reminder to grab joy while you can and as quickly as you can. Um, because of its iridescent colors, the hummingbird has been named for jewels and glittering stones. For example, the ruby-throated hummingbird, the one that you saw. Yep. It also uh, has come to be associated with the fairy realm. One species has been called the wood nymph hummingbird and another, the purple-crowned fairy. The iridescent colors also caused it to be associated with rain. More specifically, it is associated often with the rainbow of promise that follows the rain. To the Pueblo Indians, the hummingbird's rainbow coloring, its great strength in flying, uh, and its hovering about flowers is associated with various ritual practices. Prayer sticks and ceremonies were used to bring in the rain and to help with endurance. Hummingbirds are big eaters. Uh, most of their food is comprised of the nectars of flowers, although they will also eat tiny insects. They might eat 50 to 60 meals a day. Because of its small size and its high degree of activity, it loses body heat quickly. It has a super fast metabolism, so it has to digest food quickly. So that's why they eat a little but often. Individuals with hummingbird totems should watch their own sugar levels. Are you getting too much or too little? Are you hypoglycemic or hyperglycemic? Mm. Are you not getting enough sweetness in your life? Are you not savoring the sweet things in life? Hummingbirds are very playful. Even when bathing, and they bathe often, they play in the water. They also seem to fight with each other, although no one seems to get hurt. Now scientists pretty much agree that these are only mock fights for exercise and fun. Hummingbirds huh. are fiercely independent. Except when mating, they like to be alone and free and seem to revel in that freedom. During the mating ritual, the male does anything he can to gain the attention and affection of the female. If the female chooses to mate, she returns the attention. Otherwise, she just flies off. <coughs> Mother hummingbirds are hard workers. This is necessary for they receive no help from their mate. She'll usually lay two eggs, again, very symbolic. Two is the number of the inner self, the feminine to which we must give birth, and the expression to find our own joy. The ruby-throated hummingbird 
is a wonder of migration. Every winter, it makes an amazing journey. For several days, it will eat and eat, storing up food and energy in its tiny body. Then it will fly for days and days to get to a warm climate. Some have been known to make a journey of 2,500 miles or more from Alaska to Central America. Scientists still are unsure how it is able to store up enough energy to accomplish such a journey. But it does, and because of it, the hummingbird is a symbol for accomplishing that which seems impossible. It will teach you how to find the miracle of joyful living from your own life circumstances. I like that. That's a nice one. Yeah. I like that drawing from the past and finding joy in the past, too. Yeah. Because what was that quote recently we talked about? Changing the past. You can... Oh, yes, when we were watching My Hero Academia. Yeah. It's something to the effect of you can always change the past. Mm -hmm. And what he went on to explain is, <coughs> yes, the past happened and it's concrete what happened, but it's how you look at it and what you learn from it that's constantly evolving. And you can always change your perspective your on what has happened. Your interpretation of the past is kind of... Fluid. It's fluid, and you can decide whether it happened to you or you happened to it, you know? You yeah, can, I like uh, that. Are you a victim of your circumstance or a warrior? Right. Yeah, the ruby-throated is very good. I like that. And I felt like a lot of those things, I mean, the, there was a huge focus on joy, which uh, is lacking in the snow leopard, but, like, the independence, the... Uh, energy seizing things even though with the hummingbird it was joy but just being able to like reach out and grab things that all kind of meshed with my previous snow leopard the snow leopard's element is air and i'm a libra so air is my natural mm -hmm. element and then hummingbird was fire which of course work well together Sure. Yeah, fire magic, I almost feel like I have more of an affinity to. I've always struggled with air. And it's funny, too, because, like, uh, Gemini, Sun, Sun, Gemini typically will have um, the health concerns in paired organs. So, like, kidneys hmm. or lungs, in my case. Sometimes eyes. My eyes aren't the greatest either. Um, and that's sort of uh, another manifestation of that. Great stuff, though. Thank you for coming on the journey with us, accompanying us. Um and yeah, feel free to return to that if you ever want to go again through the woods for a bit. I think it was like nine or eight or nine minutes or something like that. Um, yeah, and shoot us a text or leave us a voicemail whenever you hear this after you've gone on your journey or if you have a strange encounter yes, with an animal. Yes, we're pushing this podcast deep into the future. So it's never too late um, to give us a ring or a text if your voice shy. You can always text us in. 816-607-3663. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you want to take him behind the curtain? Sure. It's just over there. There you go. While we're on our way back there, Kansas City almost had its uh, first COVID death. Almost? Oh, yeah. <coughs> I sent you a clip. Oh, boy. Entitled COVID KC. COVID KC. I can't wait to hear this one. Here we go. This woman named Nina does not want us to share her last name due to fears of a man she met at this quick trip at midnight on Sunday. It would be at a quick trip, wouldn't it? I'm sorry, I'm just going to stop trip. it right there. Nina. But midnight on Sunday is not a good time to be at a gas station. I don't care what gas station. Word. <laughs> I mean, that much is true. Um, Nina can't be that super common of a name, though, right? Uh, 
Especially if she gives a quote and you can hear her voice. Yeah, and she was on video, too. Oh, Jesus. At midnight on Sunday. It was scary. You know, I thought that he was going to take me away from my kids. She says when she walked into the store to buy a bottled water, another customer immediately engaged her into a dispute he was having with the store clerk over face masks. He was kind of on a tangent about COVID not being real, we must be Democrats, and just, you know, calling us sheep and just names and things like that. Nina says she told the man off and he left the store. She left shortly after to find the man sitting in his car yelling at her. And when I turned around, he was holding a gun out of the window um, with his finger on the trigger and he asked me if I was ready to die. And then he's like, that's right, I'll effing kill you. Nina started praying and walked back to her car where she'd left her cell phone. He pulled up behind me actually to block me in the parking spot. And I held my phone out the window and said that the police were on the way. Um, I was actually on hold with the police though, so they hadn't answered yet. But I, I was hoping that that would be enough to get him to leave me alone. The man drove off and Nina followed him just long enough to take down his license plate number. She gave it to police when she filed her report. Quick Trip says you can't clearly see the incident on their outside video cameras, but you can see the argument happening inside the store. Yeah, police can. are investigating. Nina is still shocked by what happened and hopes the man gets arrested. I guess I'm just concerned about the state of our country, um, that people are comfortable with um, pulling guns and, and based off of difference of opinion. Yeah, so then did her two-year-old turn to her and say, Mommy, why are the Republicans so angry about wearing masks? That's what I thought. <laughs> this is so funny of a story because it's got so many layers of like, Smells like maybe bullshit. Well, and as you pointed out at first, it's like, okay, well, she gave her name and it appears on video. You don't want to be identified. She doesn't want to give her last name, but she is on video. Yeah, so everyone who knows her knows her and that man is going to recognize her. That's a lady I pulled a gun at, if he's even real. There's no video of it. And let me tell you, <laughs> quick trips have cameras everywhere. There are some at every pump. There are some at all corners of the building. I mean, yeah. they have a big-ass safe space sign mm -hmm. at Quick Trips, and that's one of the reasons is because they're well-monitored and they're constantly, and they're well-lit and they're clean. And uh, so there's just a lot of things there that uh, no. kind of poke at the... And it, it, it's an interesting piece. If you if you think of it in terms of propaganda, um, there's this divisiveness. There's this uh, idea that <laughs> this guy's ranting about fuck the democrats and covid's not real um mm -hmm. yeah the whack job was uh probably uh, you assume anti-face mask at that point although sure. they never say who was or wasn't wearing the face mask right well you would just infer it seems interesting because i've been anti-face mask and anti any restrictions or any extra legislation or really doing anything fundamentally differently because of covid that we hadn't done before um, since the very start of this fucking thing in, I don't know, I guess let's say March when it actually got like ridiculously real. Um, I've not met anyone who is all out COVID doesn't exist. I've not heard that. Mm -mm. Um, I don't believe that COVID doesn't exist. I think it's silly to think that COVID doesn't exist. 
think it's silly to think that nothing else exists and like COVID is being treated like the only thing that exists, the only thing you can get sick from. Uh, in, I think it was Rochester, one of the New York school districts now says if you are out sick from school for longer than 48 hours, you are assumed COVID positive. Oh, I saw that. As far as for their procedures and, and, and return policy in this shit. More false COVIDs. So no matter what it's from, you have to get a doctor saying you definitely don't have COVID uh, as per the school district. Just the the mass hysteria now that's going on of this thing. As though it's like the worst thing you can get. It doesn't really seem to be big fucking potatoes. You know, the numbers really aren't there. They've done everything they possibly can to push the number up. Um, they got a pretty nice like spike in the spring when people like die of airborne illnesses, which is kind of the cycle of how things work. Uh, and now, you know, we're coming up on another one, but the election will be before that. So it just makes you wonder. Are they going to try and kick a, another round of this shit off? In a lot of places they are. In Europe they are. In Australia they are. So it remains to be seen what they're doing here. But, you know, mask mandates don't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. Good. Fuck mandates of any kind. No, it's bad, though. That's what I'm saying. Is like they're going to be in place for... Oh. Oh, you're saying they're not going away? Uh, I, uh, I yeah. don't see any evidence that they're going away. Maybe November 4th they'll, like, magically evaporate. But I don't no. know, man. I just... <laughs> I think that, um, and that's another thing too, that makes this story a little bit hard to believe. You know, the the conservative side of the aisle. And I myself am independent. I don't consider myself a conservative. I don't consider myself a liberal. I live a uh, in the defini- def- the dictionary definition of the word liberal. I live a liberal lifestyle. You know, um, but with my money, I live conservatively. Uh, with my resources, I live conservatively. I'm conservation minded. Uh, a lot of these terms have been so muddled and muddied by our mm-hmm. political environment. And it's tough, too, because like, even in the election shakedown, you know, as an independent, um, I voted for Obama, and then I did Johnson twice, and that's all fine and good. If I were to express support for Donald Trump, then all of a sudden I'm a Trump supporter and I'm not an independent. Like, my independence vanishes over that decision, which is bullshit. I mean, uh, first off, independent is by far the affiliation for most people in this country. It was over 40% independent. That's a bigger percentage than are identifying with either party. The independents are the largest voting block. Uh, and we're the ones that actually get to make a decision every four years. We're the ones that actually get to look at the candidates, and we, we're not predetermined. We're not predetermined. My opinion could change tomorrow if things change tomorrow. And that's another reason why I think early voting is stupid, by the way. Uh, you vote early and then your vote's in. And then it's like, I mean, who? what are you going to vote? Four weeks before Election Day? Six weeks before Election Day? Two months before Election Day? What's going to happen right. in that time? You don't know. What could happen? Anything can happen. Like, There's an Election Day for a reason. And the whole campaign is geared toward that election day so in my you know in my opinion you wait until election day and that's the decision day and like then you've been able to see it all been able to absorb it all and i mean this this biden this hunter biden shit that's been just seems bursting as the ship sinks leaking out you know like um so many people already cast their vote i mean what if what if it gets even nastier what if it gets even nastier now a lot of this shit has been pretty much open knowledge if you want to dig and look for it for years um last show we mentioned that 
CIA whistleblower that was, you know, um, sending things to Congress, sending things to Trump, sending things to Pelosi, like all of it's coming out. And no agenda dug up the clip last show, but you know, they talked about this years ago. Um, all of this stuff is out there if you want to find it, but a lot of people don't know where to look, don't know how to look and don't want to find shit. They just want to be comforted by the talking points of the day that they've been handing down. And they just feel smart enough if they just repeat the shit that they hear a talking head say. And that's that's true for both sides of the aisle. They don't really want to dive into the nuance of these different things. They don't want to remember uh, last election cycle. Fuck, they don't even want to remember six weeks ago, which is mm-hmm. why the six-week six week cycle is so effective. They just want to know about you know today, last week, and maybe tomorrow. Um, and that's that's how we get this shit that keeps perpetuating. And when it comes to politics, I feel like plenty of people I know don't pay attention at all until the election comes. The presidential election every sure. four years. All of a sudden, they're a political fucking expert. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. I love that. Telling me how to vote. Making sure I know how to vote. <laughs> that's another frustrating thing for me is like having been a citizen lobbyist since pretty much 18 years old. I see all these people grandstanding on Facebook and it's like. Where were you at the city council meetings? Have you ever made a public statement? Have you ever shook hands with your representative have in you Congress? Have you been to a city council have you, meeting? Have you been to the city council meeting? Have you watched one online on a Zoom thing? Have you uh, gone to D.C.? Have you gone to the state house at your state capitol? You can do all those things. You can be politically involved, or you can call people racists on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And like one of those things is political action, and the other thing is being a retard. <laughs> yeah. And that's putting it nicely. <laughs> Got some good weed news here locally, though, because marijuana is open for business in Missouri, finally. <laughs> Yesterday, right? That's right. Yesterday, first legal medical marijuana sales. Um, actually, it was Saturday. Oh. Saturday. Same as Virginia. But uh, the first one here in the metro was Monday afternoon in Lee's Summit. And uh, yeah, Fresh Green Dispensary, it's open now. I do have a clip. Oh, yes? Yes. I was hoping you had a clip. Uh, Bianca Sullivan, Fresh Green? Yes. One it's of just going to take time. Um, I'm the only dispensary open um, west of St. Louis. And Jesus. there's only one cultivator. And it's just going to take time. Security is tight. Most of the buds on display are CBD strains. Huh. THC products are in a vault. Yeah. They're in a vault? Yes. Holy I shit. I thought that was quite interesting. That is wild. I saw lots of <coughs> social media folks um, who went and stood in line and mm-hmm. did not make a purchase because they didn't want CBD. They were looking for high THC. They could not find high THC. Well, yeah, I mean... That's going to piss me off. If I'm if I'm standing in line at the only, she said the only legal dispensary west, west of, of St. Louis. Yes. Fuck you, St. Louis. But the only dispensary west of St. Louis over here in Lee Summit. The if I got in there and then it was primarily CBD strains that you can get at any fucking gas station right now? Exactly. I'd be pissed too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And I would I would feel very scammed into getting a card and signing up for this fucking registered patient system and now you're in a database. Just so what? You can get mostly CBD? Gas now, station weed. 
I understand, you know, there's one cultivator right now that's up and running too, she said. So I get it. I get availability is low. But they said the THC is in a vault. This, the so they THC have it. St- shit's in a vault, so they have to like go into the vault to purchase it, or what? Like, what's the deal there? Well, I don't know, but I'm assuming you could not purchase it yesterday. If that's true, then that's like the weakest shit available. You know, um, I did recently, and I think I talked about this last week. We got a, I got a pre-rolled joint from uh, the the packies that run the station at uh, in Liberty that my dad always gets cigarettes from, and he sent me to buy cigarettes and. And I was in a fucked up headspace. Um, well, I guess we'll tell the whole story. Because I was in a fucked up headspace because Lorraine had said to me that morning that she, is at, she was having stomach pains and shit and complications. And she was just like worried that she might be having another ectopic, which we've talked about before. She had an ectopic pregnancy. We had one between the two girls. And uh, so I, my midwife scheduled an ultrasound for me. Yeah, we had an ultrasound for it later that week. But that day I was just like. Yeah, we were all pretty messed up, and your dad was getting ready to go to Iowa to take care of your grandpa, and so we didn't want to like pull him down or we really you know, yeah talk we couldn't tell it. you know we just couldn't say anything to anybody because it wasn't for sure, and yeah. I wasn't really believing in it, and it was like, but I mean that that uh, not exactly anxiety, but that dread I guess yeah the dread that I was feeling. It was just all too much. And I had I'd stopped I'd stop buying cigarettes. I'm not smoking cigarettes anymore. So when I was buying my dad smokes, I saw they had all these fat pre-rolls of CBDs and I was just like, ah, fuck it. You know, it had been about a year or two since I had a CBD. <coughs> so I grabbed it and I want to say, man, it was very tasty, very nice bud. It, like, a f- you know, without the effects, like, if I would have just seen it and smelled it without smoking it, I wouldn't have known it was anything other than, like, very good, very nice bud. It was nice. Like, if w- when you dry hit it before you lit it, yeah, it tasted very good. It smelled so good. It wasn't, like, the bullshit potpourri, and uh, I have had that experience before. Like, the first time I ever saw joints in the shops, that was maybe f- three or four years ago, something like that. Yep. And I bought one, and it was just dog shit um, and didn't do anything. Now, this CBD joint, I think, honestly, it was probably a little bit higher than advertised, but it said 6 milligrams THC, which isn't, like, insignificant, but it's not really a lot at all if you're smoking it. Less than 0.3%, I think, is what it has to be. Mm. Less than 0.3% THC. Um, which 0.3% of what? Like, by weight, I'm not really sure what that refers to but uh a high strain starts around 20s around the 20s if you get above 20 at or above 20 that's what's starting to be considered high you can go and get crazy shit out of colorado that's like in the 28s 30s um that's like ridiculous high but i would say if you have something that's available that's you know 14 15 that's a decent mid-tier range of thc to where i wouldn't be like this is a ripoff. If there's nothing in the double digits, that's when I'm going to start to get probably pissed. Um, and so I'd, I kind of want to, I'm interested to know more about like the strains available and what the highest percentage that you can get. Yeah, and what is up with this weed vault? And yeah, what the, why why you got it in a vault? It's also locked in a vault. Just so everyone knows, we did get the ultrasound done. Baby is fine. Yes. I'm fine too. The baby is in the uterus. And, um, yes. Thanks, NetNet, for the baby karma. Because it wasn't. Yes. It was it was like needed so bad, and that Tuesday show uh, that he executive produced, I think it was the last one, right? Yeah, 
Last um, one. That happened right before our ultrasound, and it was like... Uh, <laughs> it was on our minds. Yeah, but, you know, we couldn't say nothing. It was just like, you can't say shit. Yeah. But the little bugger's fine. It's too early to know if it's a boy or girl or whatever. I posted a picture on NAS and on uh, Twitter of, like, our ultrasound and then, like, what an eight-weeker looks like. It's, like, still in the, like, like alien stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, wild. Now, I was just watching some, like, YouTube videos of people's experiences at um, the dispenser yesterday in Lee's Summit. And one guy who was looking for THC strains specifically, um, okay. he said... I will say that everyone going there is looking for THC strains. Yeah, even if they don't know. There's literally... You there's, want whole plant medicine. There's no reason to go through the rigmarole otherwise. I mean, right, you, you, can you can get the CBD... Yeah, you can get the CBD bullshit everywhere. It's yes. everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's 50 state legal. It's 50 state legal, so they <laughs> but tell But federally you. illegal. And 10 bucks a fucking well, farm bill, very high quality. I'm going to say it. It was a high quality pre-rolled joint. And, you know, in the similar circumstance, I'd do it again. I'd buy one again. Sure. It changed. It kind of changed my mind about the whole CBD thing in general, honestly. Um, especially for a guy who stopped smoking and is having a fucked up day. Uh, now, obviously, I prefer my real pot. <laughs> yes. Well, so one of the guys I saw posting a YouTube video, just sitting in his car, like, right after leaving the place, he was saying that the highest they had, the highest THC, was 14%. I was like, fuck. But you just heard the reporter say that the THC, higher THC weed is in a fucking vault. Yeah, I don't don't know what that means. I wish I knew what that meant. I do, too. And Lavish had already said in the chat room, 14, probably as low as I'll go. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, below that, it's like... CBD. <laughs> well, it's like you're smoking middies, you know? It's yeah. like, I know, but you're going to get there eventually, but... That's not what I want to pay money for at The great store. part, like, and what people don't really talk about when they put their nose in the fucking air and talk about like, oh, it's not your grandfather's pot. Oh, it's much more potent. It's much healthier to have potent weed. It's much healthier to take two hits and be done mm. than have to smoke through much more plant matter to get a same level of an inferior type high. You know, like you're going to want potent weed. You want potent weed. Yes. It's not like, like you that. have some kind of extra chance of overdosing. You cannot smoke enough pot to overdose. It's, it's not how it works. The The uh, therapeutic window of cannabis is so fucking wide. There's nothing that compares to it. There's nothing that compares to it. And the therapeutic window is defined as one end being the dose at which the medicine takes effect. And the other end of that window is the dose at which you die. So the therapeutic window for cocaine, for heroin, for alcohol, for caffeine, for uh, a lot of different things, all of those are much, much narrower. Whereas cannabis... It's, it's a fucking incredibly wide uh, window. It's a window so wide that in order to die from pot, it has to be from something else. It has to be from, like, blocked airflow. It has to be from oxygen starvation. It has to be from over-smoking. You cannot just smoke enough THC to kill you. Just not how it works. Now, I did want to point out, as she said, being the only dispensary and with only one grower... Right. They wanted to serve as many people as possible, so you were limited on what you could buy. Sure. And that goes back to, I want to be able to take two hits and be good. Right. You know? Yeah. And so if you're offering, 
Right. Because so, weed's not yeah, gonna get if, you there. If you have a quarter limit or something, and then it's low THC, <laughs> and I mean fourteen percent, we'll say, we'll call that a mid range THC. It's not like that's low low, but when what if that's you, when you're high? in a legal market, then everything is perfect. It's not like you're sneak growing it in some fucking cabin in the woods or something. You know, you're allowed to legally grow it, so you have the best lighting and facilities and airflow and and nutrients available. You have the best everything, and you don't have to hide it. So um, I think also one of the issues is genetics. Like, how what, what genetics do you have access to? Do you even know what you're doing? I mean, that's a big question. Do you know what the fuck you're doing mm-hmm. when it comes to growing pot? Uh, the, the licensure process doesn't necessarily confirm that, you know, it confirms that you have money in the bank and that you have a facility and that you have this and this, but there's nothing about, do you know how to grow weed and are you good at it? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what the purchase limit was yesterday. Um, I thought it was interesting. The three local news channels that had stories on it all talked to, the first guy in line who got there at 8 a.m., which I think is like a reasonable time to get there. It's not like he was there the night before camping out waiting to get in. Um, and he is he was a liver cancer patient. And he said that he had been prescribed opiates and they just put him on his ass on the couch. And that marijuana gave him freedom of living, you know, moving around. He said, I can smoke weed and go about my day and get stuff done and be out of pain. The same way that the opiates put me out of pain, but they put me on my ass, make me want to sleep. Right. So, and well, you know, I did read one of these local stories uh, from Fox Four, um, and when I saw it, the blood shot out my nose. This is the most ridiculous paragraph of a weed story I've ever read in my life, and I've read a fuckload of them. Uh, the coronavirus pandemic drastically slowed Missouri's plans and approval of operators and cultivators. Right now. Only cannabis flour is available for sale, and there is a limit on how much can be purchased to make sure this small first harvest is available to more customers. Now, reading that doesn't really have the effect. But seeing uh, it. Audibly. But cannabis flour is available for sale. Guys, they spelled it F-L-O-U-R, flour. Cannabis flour. We're baking. There's this. There's this little button at the bottom of the page suggest a correction, and you bet your ass, you boy, <laughs> fucking click the button, uh, and said, um, sweetie, a flower, you know, like flower power, like F L O W E R flower. Come on, and now, cannabis flower. How does this happen? Someone's either over fucking tired, or English is no, not their first language. It's fucking John Pepitone doesn't know shit about weed, and he's writing about it. Like, oh, oh. That's got to be it. Like someone said to someone him out said, loud. Someone said flour. to him when he was doing an interview, only cannabis flour is available. And he wrote it down, flour. And then he oh. typed it in his story, flour. And then his editor read it, flour. <laughs> and then it's still on the fucking internet. I don't think they have editors. 24 hours. Things. 36 hours later, flour. Come on. Give me a fucking break with it, dude. Cannabis flour. Yeah. I told them, I was like, uh, I was such a fucking douchebag. I even looked up like the definition of flower, and I was just like, "Your article says cannabis flower, f l o u r. Um, you meant to say flower, f l o w e r." I said, 
um, uh, like, you know, the flowering of the plant. I said, flour is a powder obtained by grinding grain, typically wheat, and used to make bread, cakes, and pastry. <laughs> and I said, you can make flour out of hemp seed, but that's not what's at sale at dispensaries. No. <laughs> That's at sale at Whole Foods and your other hippie groups. I left them my bull after bull email. So. Oh, good. I hope they respond to you. They respond and say thank you Within so much for correcting us. Oh, wise sage of weed. Then I'll be like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And we'll let it go. But if not, <laughs> we'll make fun of them forever. If not, I'll call them and record it. That would be kind Flower. of funny. I can't believe that. I'll just call them and record it and play it on the show. Tell them they're, tell them they're stupid. And you're dumb. And you're dumb. Um, you know, close things out. Well, I mentioned briefly that Virginia also opened up oh, right. for medical sales on Saturday. Um, and they, I believe only had, yeah, they only had one dispensary open for sales. The limiting of the dispensaries is probably out of oh. everything, the stupidest shit. Like, oh, I'm sorry, but I d- add this to the top 333. Virginia opened an hour before Missouri, becoming the 33rd state to launch an MMJ program. It was so almost us. They cut us in line for 33rd? Yeah. What a bunch hour. of fucking douchebags. That was supposed to be us, man. Yeah. Oh, well. Fuck them. Fuck them anyway. Well, I was going to say we can close it out with the uh, first time I ever... Well, I have another weed story. Well, we got weed. Let's do weed. We got weed. Um, you know how New Jersey might be legalizing this year? Joyzy. Who do you think is the main financial backer of the legalization initiative in New Jersey? Uh, it's a company everyone's heard of. I Alon got no and guesses. Fire. Okay, well, I know. That's a tough question. <laughs> Budweiser. <laughs> yeah, right? That's Missouri. Uh, no, Scott's Miracle Grow oh, is the Jesus main Christ. financial backer to the New Jersey Legalization Initiative. Oh, my God. They have donated $800,000 to legalize weed, which is 60% of the $1.3 million they've raised. Monsanto. Mm-hmm. That would have been a good guess, but isn't Scott's owned by Monsanto or some shit? That's a good question. I cannot uh, confirm or deny that. Scott's Miracle Grow. I don't know. Um, Monsanto did a big rebrand anyway. Aren't they like, uh, didn't they like get bought by Johnson & Johnson or somebody like. A giant murder. Really sweet and like associated with babies <laughs> and shit. Oh, big pharma baby. Yeah. <laughs> don't know. Fuck Monsanto. Stupid soybeans. Oh, yeah. Duodenum says Bayer. Bayer. That's right. Bayer bought Monsanto. Ooh, we are. It looks like oh shit. Scotts owns General Hypon Hydro and Botanicare. So, oh, they're ready. Now I almost feel bad about talking shit about them because those are the newts I've always used. Row raggy. I didn't know though. Ortho Roundup. Okay, so these are Scotts Miracle Grow's brands. Uh, Miracle Grow, obviously. Scotts, obviously. But then there's General Hydroponics and Botanicare. They're two different kind of brands of industry standard hydroponic uh, nutrient systems. Uh, Vermicrop Organics, Agrolux, Aero Garden, Sun System Lights, uh, Gavita, Grow Pro, Grower's Edge, um, Mother Earth. Those like, those are the. Uh, are they the ones with the heady graphics on yeah, them? Yeah, like if you see those ones that have like oh, yeah. trippy trees and shit on the be- on the packages trees and, and mushroom and cartoons and stuff like that. Wow. 
those nudes. They own that too. Uh, Grower's Edge, uh, Hurricane, which is a uh, what is it? What are grow room fans? Like, so they 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 got uh, picks and shovels already. You know, gold rushed out, and then Ortho Roundup and Tomcat. Tomcat oh, like yeah. the mousetrap shit. But Monsanto owns all those things, right? Is like the umbrella over them. I don't believe so. Oh, I think Scott's Miracle Row is the top of the umbrella. Well, let's see. I know Roundup it says Monsanto Roundup manufacturer Bear. No, Roundup wasn't on the list. Oh, was it? Oh yeah, fuck. There it is, right there. So maybe you're right. <laughs> maybe it all is Monsanto, which is now Bear. <laughs> yeah, this is copyright 2020 Monsanto the at the bottom of Roundup. Eat the big. But there's fish. no copyright. Doesn't mention Monsanto on this. It's just Scott's huh. Miracle Grow. Isn't that weird? How do companies work, bro? I don't have that kind of money in order to fucking understand it. I think that they all just sit in a circle uh, and, like, you suck the next guy's dick and the next guy's sucking the next guy's dick and the next guy's sucking the next guy's dick and they call that a daisy chain and just everybody's sucking each other's dicks. But you're getting your dick sucked, too, at the same time. Well, what do you call it when you pull your dick out on a Zoom call? (laughs) (laughs) Tubin. (laughs) I don't have much to say about uh, the Tubin situation. I do think if it was a woman, if he was a woman, it would have been seen as uh, empowering. Doofer. Doofer. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) I think a woman could do that and be empowered. I think a man does it and it's like rape of the eyes or whatever. Um, You know, muting your uh, camera. (laughs) I think you're just muting your mic. You might want to yeah, turn off your camera. And if you don't know, if you're not sure, you should definitely have a cover for your camera. I think everyone should have a cover for their camera because, um, you know, Big Brother's always watching, whatever. But I did have a little clip uh, I sent you in my show notes. It's a link because um, O.J. Simpson had some comments on the Tubin situation. It's in the show notes. It's a hyperlink. Oh, it's not this raccoons? I was about to play raccoons. Oh, no. We'll get there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> raccoons. <laughs> I was gonna say it's in the show notes. You said, "Yeah, you were like, just send me the link. I can play the link." I thought you were gonna G-chat me the link. Oh, I can do that if you want. Yeah, that'd be so much oh. faster. Okay, here we go. Here we go one more time. Send Spencer G-chat right now. Here we go. Who? Who? You heard it, people. You got that G-chat. Let's see here. Where could it possibly lead? Does it lead to the juice, bro? That's the wrong link. No, I sent you the right one. Refresh your page. It's like twitter.com slash therealoj32. You can do it. There you go. Damn! Jeffrey Tubin? At least Pee Wee Herman was in an X-rated movie theater. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! It loops on Jesus. Yeah. Damn! Damn. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Props to Pee Wee. Wow. Pee Wee's wee. Leave Pee-wee alone. Leave Pee-wee alone. Seriously, what the hell are you supposed to do in those theaters? <clears throat> Remember the first time you ever went to a nude beach? I do. This is a great one because I think we have the same story. We it was do. both of our first times at the, at the nude beach. Um, let's take a voicemail first. Okay. Uh, sure, I'll hit it. Uh, hey. <laughs> I'm watching this dumb AOC stream. It's fucking, it's fucking mesmerizing. The first <laughs> time I ever went to a nude beach, it was not on purpose. I was in the south of France, oh. and uh, I was just trying to the beach. I was so stoked. I was like, oh, shit, the Mediterranean Sea. I've yeah. heard of that. <laughs> and so I went down there to go swim in it, and when I got there, 
there was just a ton of naked people there. And it wasn't even a nude beach. It's just a beach in France. I think all the beaches in France are nude beaches. Yes. I mean, you, you yes. talk to a Frenchman, you go, like, what do you mean? Of course. So they're all, <laughs> all the beaches here are nude beaches. To them, the concept of a nude beach is, is strange because why, why wouldn't the beach be a nude beach? Sure. Uh, but I learned this the, the right way. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed my time there. And uh, the the sea was very lovely and clean and beautiful, and it uh, hurt me when it tossed me onto the beach very hard once I jumped in, hmm. uh, which is again something that happens. Uh, in in the bowl, have a great night. In the in bowl, in the bowl, in the bowl, in the bowl, indeed. Love it. Yeah, Europe and nudity, man. I wish we were a bit more like them on that. I know that's funny. It's like the concept is just like nude beach, but you just you're it's at the, the beach. beach. It's just something you do at the beach. Like you don't need a fucking <laughs> fucking g-string special, bikini, special pants, like or just yeah. barely cover up, or like <laughs> just cover your bits. Some piece of camel toe cloth that you wear <laughs> so that I don't know, so that you don't end up on a sex <clears throat> offender registry. It's kind of fucking wild, ludicrous, isn't it? Well, first time Lauren and I ever went to a nude beach was in Florida. Uh... Playa Linda Beach, um, and boy, that's a fantastic beach. And so you got to park at uh, lot thirteen is where the uh, nude section starts. So like, there's like, f- I think fourteen total lots. So you drive down to like second to the last one, and that's where you park. And so then there's these big ass dunes between the parking lots and the actual ocean and the beach. So. Presumably, I don't know, the first lots 1 through 12, if you walk to the other side of these dunes, then there's a bunch of people in bathing suits and stuff. But we walked through, and over at 13, and no one had an inch of clothing on. And I guess it's, like, not, like, legal, but also just, like, not enforced, and it's just known that, like, that's the section of the beach that's nude. And, uh, yeah, we did some fantastic photography out there. That was... I'm kind of going back to the hummingbird and things that uh, came up in that conversation. That was one of those childhood joy feelings. Yeah. You know, like childish joys. Just like letting loose, having a great time. It was uh, 2015, right? We were. Yep. In no, Flor- 16. 2016. Yeah, we were, yeah, yeah. Before the election. We were in we, Florida for the Libertarian Convention. Yeah. Yes. I don't know how we uh, didn't run into Melissa Joan Hart, <laughs> but uh, we did see John McAfee, of course. <laughs> we stayed in a nude uh, clothing optional B&B, too, or Airbnb, yeah. I should say. Yeah, we stayed in a nudist's home. We didn't have to wear clothes the whole time we were there, which was great. And then um, my outfits, for when we were out and about, was just a sarong. So just pull the knot, naked, free. It's so much fun. In that white sand. Just so beautiful. Making a beach enjoyable. Not like uh, Massachusetts rocky beaches. I never understand, but every time I fucking play with these old phone pictures, they like post upside down and shit, but I'm going to post to the chat anyway. Yeah. It's upside down, sorry. We also got like the worst sunburns of our life. We um, did. We got sunburned. Because we just um, forgot. It it fixed itself. Oh, cool. Pictures in the chat. We forgot... Our sunscreen, uh, which is like a duh no-no, but we were like, fuck it. Time is of the essence. We must have fun on the beach. We drank wine on the beach, I remember. Oh, yeah, we did drink um, wine. I do remember there were a lot of elderly people, a lot of elderly nude folks. There's a picture of us drinking wine. Um, mostly couples, but I also remember there were 
uh, there was at least one full family with little kids. They were all naked too. Yeah. And you know, you don't think anything of it because it's a uh, fucking body. But when we went back to, when we came back to Missouri and we're telling people about our adventures at the nude beach, we got some mixed reactions. I don't know if you're with me, but I remember it was for uh, our buddy Hank's birthday and he had a bunch of like his jock friends with. And so I was telling them about like, oh man, if you've never been to a nude beach, it's just, it's an experience. It's freeing. It's a great way to like dip your toe into like nudism. Sure. You know, it's like a yeah. safe environment to be naked because everyone else is fucking naked. And because you're like by the and sea and you're swimming. Yeah, hop in the water. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is one guy got so triggered. He was like, were there children there? And I was like, yeah, there were families. It's a beach. Yeah, it wasn't He's a like, fucking orgy. He goes, that's sick. You're sick. And I was like, actually, based on your reactions, I think you are sick because in your mind, you are now sexualizing children's bodies, and that's kind of fucked up. I was like, maybe you shouldn't go to a nude beach then because you're acting like a predator. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, you weren't there. I remember. I also got yelled at by... um, I was... I, uh was vaping in those days and we were out on a porch and the fucking waitress was like excuse me but that's gross and like i'd really appreciate it if you stopped so you know what i did i fucking vaped harder (laughs) 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 like big ass clouds like a fucking fog machine that'll show her uh that's how snow leopard man i'm a terrible adversary don't fucks with me all right (laughs) i'm very respectful and polite don't tread on me that's all i ask it's a, you know, like, it's a porch. We were out fucking side. But anyway, yeah, so much fun at the nude beach. That was such a great memory. It was a good good goddamn time. If we uh go back to Florida, go back to Cape Canaveral. They had a, they had a great goddamn time. Get to Playa Linda. Be- is that mean beautiful beach? Playa Linda Beach. <laughs> Isn't Playa Beach in Espanol? Yeah. And Linda beautiful? I don't, I don't know what Linda means. Might be. Espanol is no bueno. Uh, no hablo espanol. Yeah. I always say that, and then the Spanish speakers are like, oh, come on. You just did. I know. Uh, well, dude, I'm really not comfortable with I mean, it. It means pretty. Pretty. Yeah. Pretty beach. Que linda. So much fun. Hey. I was just boom bopping. I was trying to get that ready, but I didn't pre-mute it. You know how I do. Fucking. I know how you do. Half retarded over here, you know? Yeah. Oh. Uh, New shit has come to light that I wanted to bring up. Uh-oh. Jeff Bridges announced on Twitter, on the bird shite, um, that he has been diagnosed with lymphoma. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. That's just like the doctor's opinion, man. Ah, you should get a second opinion. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Agreed. I know, that was a fucking bummer. But, it's too bad. You know, life is suffering, I guess. Uh... And speaking of suffering, did you see that um, the federal appeals court declined to consolidate Ghislaine Maxwell's appeals? She was, like, appealing uh, to... uh, She didn't want a deposition released from a settled lawsuit. I did see that. And she also wanted to, like, consolidate all these cases that overlap. And they're like, nope. Now, I don't know really what that means for us. Like, are we going to get to see this deposition? It means we're going to see this deposition, yeah. I hope so. The timeline is unknown, but they have to release it now. I thought that was interesting. Yes. And just worth mentioning because uh, I am 27. 
but I don't have any suicidal thoughts. I don't plan on joining the 27 Club. But Jeffrey Epstein definitely didn't kill himself. So it's worth uh, repeating because <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that we know personally who probably don't even know who he is anymore because of, you know, cognitive dissonance and re-Orange Man bad sickness. These people are sick. They are sick. And then also um, we talked about definitions earlier and uh, Merriam-Webster online is trying a stunt to uh, win back credibility after losing it all on October 13th. Yeah, what the fuck? By changing the definition of sexual preference. Their little uh, tool toy that they've created to get people uh, clicking on their site. Uh, and, and it works because I clicked on it. But uh, It's called the Time Traveler. And it shows you words that first appeared in print the year you were born. Now, Spence, I have done the work for you. Oh, thank God. Uh, in the year I was born... Which was no, no, no. Oh. Oh, shit. Cancel. Oh, oh shit. Holy shit. I thought we were going to lose everything, dude. Are we still recording? We're still recording. The computer was stream's about to back up. auto update on us. Holy fucking crap. Okay, stream's back up. Um. Can you hear us stream? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back up. Cool. Now, here comes the. Yeah, I'll have to figure that out in post. No, Ooh. what the fuck? What happened? I put my feet up. Jesus Christ, dude! To the and like oh. hit the shutdown button on the fucking seat on the on the damn tower. God, what a fucking well, dipshit! We'll leave it in. Maybe you'll learn better etiquette in coding school. Uh, <laughs> no. How many no. times do people we'll in your family it. have to tell you not to put your damn feet on the damn furniture? Oh my goodness gracious! No respect. But back to what I was saying. Sheepishly slinks back into the chat room. <laughs> Thank God there was <laughs> programs preventing the shutdown. That no it, joke. You know how you get that, there's some programs still shutting down. You yeah. You want to continue? And that pop-up gives you the option to cancel, so I hit it in time. Whew. But There's also that timer going down, like, you got 10 seconds. Well, it's still working on closing everything as it's asking you that, you mm. know, so you got to get to it. I know, I thought that, that recording was going to be gone I, I think, saw that. I think Adobe wouldn't let it... Uh, all the way closed while it was still recording. Thank God. Um, oh, and OBS too. Of our show. OBS, uh, OBS never stopped streaming. So cool. Although your camera, my did webcam go off. is Gonzo, but that's alrighty. Almost end of show here. Let me just get through this. I'm sorry. It's alright. As you were saying, so Marion Webster made this time traveler. Yes. Shows you words that first appeared in print the year you were born, and I did the work so you don't have to give them a click. In the year of your birth, 1990. Some of the words that stuck out were McMansion, a word I use quite frequently. Mixed martial arts. Seemed a little late in time for that to appear in print, but whatever. Queer studies. Mm. And tidy whities. I'll be damned. Yeah, 1990, tidy whities. Uh, and then in the year of my birth, 1993, came blue screen of death, which I'm thankful we did not just witness. No shit. Cosplay. Ooh. Which I was like, oh. That's a Maybe very, that says something. That's a very Lorian word. Yes. Robocall. Fucking annoying. And wet willy. Oh my God. Which I think we know why. <laughs> I remember going to DC as a kid and seeing like condoms with like a cartoonish Bill Clinton on them. And it was like, slip your wet willy into this. And I was like, hey mom, what's that mean? Because <laughs> I was oh like God. a kid. She was like. It's a condom you wear when you have sex. And then I was like, I'll figure out what that means in the future. (laughs) 
No, I prophylactic. Think I, knew. I put it on my dingus when I want to have sex. Yeah. And then um, we didn't really roll any. You know, we did throw the gutter for Jeff Bridges, and the dude totally deserves it. Uh, I wish we had a more respectful soundbite for when shitty news pops up, like really shitty news, yeah. and people need our good thoughts, Something magic. Something somber. Um, but <laughs> well. <laughs> My stories this week are pretty great, so I'll lift up the mood. Um, there you go. The Super Bowl of Pumpkins just happened Holy in California. Shit. So, you know, they're looking for the biggest pumpkin. And a pumpkin from Minnesota entitled The Tiger King won. Do you want to guess how much the pumpkin weighed? Uh, let's go with 800 pounds. <sighs> it's more than that. Holy shit. It's more than double that. Oh, my God. <laughs> 2,350 pounds. 2,350? <laughs> oh, dang. The pictures are like That was a insane. big thing. Here, I'll I'll post the link in the chat. Nighty night, Fletch. Good night, Fletcher. Fletch is giving himself a wet willy in it. <laughs> Put him out for the night. Um, Love you, Fletch. Thanks for hanging out with us this long, man. It's past yes. midnight. Tell the affiliates we're running late. We are running late. Tell my class in the morning. Starts at eight thirty. Oh man, it'll be all right. You don't have to commute tomorrow. I already have a headache from it. <laughs> also, I haven't even started yet. I am posting the Merriam-Webster time traveler in the chat, so if you want to see what words came up the year you were born, might be something interesting. Yeah, we'll have um, all of that good shit in the show notes too. Fuck Merriam-Webster and their nineteen eighty four uh, change in definitions and shit. These people are sick. Another fun story I saw this week is that. The original puppets from the 1964 stop-motion movie of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer are going up for auction. They were owned by one guy, so they're all together, um, but he wants to sell them to a new loving home before he dies. Um, and they're guessing that each... <coughs> Let's see. Will be sold together. Rudolph, Santa, the sleigh, and the misfit toys, the rare and iconic figures in American pop culture, will be sold together for an estimated 150 to 250000 on November 13th in Los Angeles. So, if you have a fun put aside, you really like that movie as much as I do, and you want <laughs> the real Rudolph and Santa in your house, you can own them. And, Never gonna uh, happen! I thought that was pretty interesting. Um... Crafted by Japanese puppet maker Ichiro Komuro, the puppets are made of wood, wire, cloth, leather, and yak hair and stand less than a foot tall. So they're quite small. Huh. They've been restored over time, and they said Rudolph's nose bulb and some electrical wiring allow his nose to continue to glow. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And uh, kind of sad. Uh, if I if they were something in my possession, I would I would think it was hard to let them go, even for a giant monetary sum. Is my mic picking up? Yes. The level looks so low. Okay. And then uh, before I get to my good spooky October news, you may have noticed I had a clip entitled "Raccoons," which is an animal that seems to be speaking to you lately. Yes. As you know. I am very fond of raccoons, and I am thankful that I have not been seeing many dead ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, the last time I saw a raccoon, it was very alive, and I think raccoons are adorable, and I love them, uh, and I stay far away from them. But anyways, 
apparently the raccoons have found a really great home. Check it out. Out of control at the White House? No, not just coronavirus. Raccoons. There's an invasion crawling around the media cables on the White House lawn, sniffing at bags of gear, making a beeline for CNN's Joe Johns in the middle of a live shot. But unlike other White House occupants, at least the raccoons always wear their masks. Oh, God. Get fucked. I wanted to barf when I heard that, but I had uh. to keep it in there because, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, state of culture right now. part of it. The state Jesus, of the did you really have propaganda to? machine. They really had to, didn't they? Now, what I think is interesting is I did look into the CNN dudes' run-ins, and I didn't clip them, but they are... Because I feel like you have to visually see it. Uh, CNN's Joe Johns has had two encounters while he was live broadcasting where coons came up to him. I'm sorry, raccoons came up to him and uh, interrupted him. And the first one of them... They're just behind him and he catches them approaching and he throws a footstool at it and it's just like, ah, and just like screams really loud. <laughs> but the first time the raccoon came all the way up to him and was tugging on his pant leg. And in a subsequent interview, he says the funniest thing I should have clipped this where he's like, I thought it was one of the film guys. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> you got midget film guys over there tugging <laughs> on your pant legs. I thought that was crazy. Oh, Christ. Now, in spooky news, uh, you may have heard a woman decided to return some artifacts she stole from Pompeii 15 years later. She claimed that they were cursed, um, that she had like a multitude of unfortunate life events, including financial turmoil and breast cancer. So um, it was like a piece of tile and some rocks. Uh, Sketchy. Let's see. Mosaic tiles, small shards, stones, pieces of plaster. Yeah, little value, but part of unique archaeological heritage. She wrote a letter, uh, only giving her first name. Um, she is Canadian, and uh, she said... You syrup guzzling <laughs> sons of bitches stealing our <laughs> Italian heritages. She wrote, please accept these artifacts so that you do the right thing for the mistake I made. I am so sorry. One day I will return to your beautiful country to apologize in person. I just <laughs> want to shake off the curse that has fallen on me and my family. Oh, God. Uh, later, she said she was young and stupid at the time, and she wanted to have a piece of history that no one else could have. Now, I will say, I visited Pompeii when I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. And I have told you this many times. Mm hmm in America, besides the Grand Canyon, pretty much everywhere I've gone is idiot proof. Where right. there's like guardrails and like stay the fuck away from these artifacts and yeah. stuff. In Pompeii. And like four cops watching you while you walk uh, up to. Right? Yeah, and cameras everywhere. Yeah. In Pompeii, it's like you're just walking through everything and it's huh. all right there and it is somehow still all right there. So the fact, like these people who have been. Like, I don't know if you call it mummified or whatever, but set in stone essentially by like the lava mm -hmm. and whatever. I don't know how they haven't been knocked over and completely destroyed. Huh. Or maybe it's all fake and they have been and they've replaced them and just not said anything. Uh, and you'll also remember a few shows ago there was a story about a guy who I think he was also Canadian. Uh, you know, don't quote me on that, but he uh, wanted to take a picture with one of those ancient statues remember and he laid down on it and broke its toes off yeah stupid 
But again, it's like, it's kind of refreshing to see a place that trusts the tourists to get as close and be responsible. Yeah. You know, and the Grand Canyon is like that, as I mentioned. Uh, you can just jump off the ledge if you want, you know. So if you're crazy. Freedom. Enough. For That's called freedom. I like freedom. I like freedom, too. I'm a big too. fan of freedom. The wolf approves of freedom. And now... My second and final story of the evening is a great one also. A house famous from being in Silence of the Lambs. Buffalo Bill's frickin' house. Oh, shit. Is for sale right now in Pennsylvania. And it's going for less than $300,000. Dang, that's like, like affordable. Yeah. Crazy. Two ninety eight five. Who would want to live there, though? On 1.76 acres of land. Four bedrooms, one bathroom. Yeah, that's what you I can't mean. do the one bath, <clears throat> man. Can't do one bath. At least one and a half, man. Also, uh, you know, can't do like you put the lotion on the <laughs> or whatever. Really. They say in their listing, they're like lotion not included. Oh god. <laughs> they had to. I mean. Yeah. Uh it's an hour outside of Pittsburgh in Periopolis. Does it have the well? Oh god, I don't know. It needs the well. It's gotta come with the well, right? Yeah, I mean, you would pretty much have to, right? Um, I don't know. Uh, they have like a video tour that they're really pushing. Um, honestly, it actually wouldn't surprise me though if the well was like the well scenes were probably filmed somewhere else, yeah, shot in a studio or something. <laughs> Oops. Uh, it's got like a little train in the back, like a train car. That's kind of weird. Cool. Weird and cool. So uh, yeah. So you know, if you end up buying it and moving in. We'll have a meetup. See the place in person. Hell yeah. Well, it's damn near half past midnight here in FEMA Region 7, so we're going to bid you farewell. Thanks for coming along. It's been a fun one. It's been kind of a weird one. Doing things a little differently. Went on a little journey through the woods. Uh, thanks for coming along with the Wolf of Kansas City. And the secret snow leopard, Dame DeLorean. And as we always say, may your bowls burn ever brighter. It's a very different party. Cool ending. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I need to trim that file because it goes to 126, but that silence at the end. So I always think I have more time on it, but oh, I just need to extend it probably. Yeah, that was a fun one, huh? Yeah. I don't know why these mics are coming in so cold on the audacity, too. That's kind of weird, but I'll just boost them in post. It's kind of a fucking pain in the ass, but... I know. I've had my nose pressed to the 